morning. Good to be with all of you this morning. If this is your first time, welcome to Mercy Hill. Glad that you can join us as we give attention to God's Word. We're in a series in the book of Revelation. We're going to be continuing that this morning in Revelation 21. So open up to the 21st chapter of Revelation. So Jesus walked up to the well and he sat down. It was noon. The sun was blazing. It was hot. He was tired. And he was thirsty. The disciples who were with him headed off into town to get lunch. Jesus stayed stayed seated at the well. He had an appointment to keep. Soon after the disciples left, she came walking She came out alone because the other women wouldn't walk with her. She was a moral outcast. She came out during the heat of the day to draw water from the well when she knew no one would be there and no one would bother her. So she was surprised to see a man, a Jewish man, sitting there. And as soon as she saw him, she knew how this was going to go. He's not going to talk to me. I'm a woman, he's a man. I'm a Samaritan, and he's a Jew. I know how this is going to go. So she walks out, she puts her her jar down next to the well, and to her shock, he asks her for a drink. And she says, how is it that you ask me for a drink? You're a man and a Jew, I'm a woman and a Samaritan. Jesus, rather than answering that issue, jumps to the most important one and says, if you knew who just asked you for a drink, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Whoever drinks of that will never thirst again. So here's this picture, Jesus by a well, the heat of the day, the sun's blazing down, two people obviously thirsty, obviously at the well to get a drink. He starts talking about water, and we get it, but all of a sudden, he's talking about water, but he's not talking about water. Because he says, ask of me, and I would give living water. All of a sudden, the water becomes this metaphor, right? For something that we need, we all need water, and when we don't have it, there's a kind of physical response, a depth of desire for it that we call thirst, that depending on the situation, can just drive you. It's a deep longing. He begins to speak of a deeper longing than that. But that's just a metaphor for. It's it's a longing for belonging. It's a longing for contentment. It's a longing for joy. It's a longing for for life and for peace that we talked about this morning. It's a longing for happiness. That's what he began to offer her that noonday. A water which satisfies the deepest longing of the soul. Drink this, and for all time, it will remove your deepest longing. That's a promise. 
Well, such was the promise that Jesus made to the woman by the well on that day. Such is the promise that we can find throughout the pages of this book. Such is the promise that we're going to see this morning in Revelation 21. And friend, such is the promise that Jesus is here to make again today to you. The offer for living water has not been rescinded. He still offers it as we give attention to his voice in his word. So we're going to be considering verse 6 this morning in Revelation 21. I'm going to back up to the beginning of the paragraph in verse 5, and we can read these two verses. So follow along with me as I read from God's word. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without pain. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. God's word. And God, would you offer that precious promise again this morning, your powerful word through my weak words, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll begin by drawing your attention to the first words of that phrase, to the thirsty. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To the thirsty. Now, we all know what physical thirst is. We just saw it by the well under the heat of the day and the body longing for water. But this is a thirst for for the living water. This is a deeper kind of thirst for living water, which gives life and quenches longing and brings contentment and satisfaction and joy and happiness. We thirst for happiness. We thirst for happiness. We're all thirsty, all people are thirsty. And all people are thirsty for the same thing, happiness. Humanity wakes up in the morning hungry to find something to make them happy. People work all day at work or school or not working, whatever it is, to find happiness. There might be a thousand different things that people are doing believing that they're going to find happiness, but they all have the same belief that they're after happiness. All people at all times, some looking in good ways, some looking in bad ways, one going this direction, one going the complete opposite direction, but they all think that the direction they're going will lead to their happiness. All people want it. Muslims want it, Christians want it, Buddhists want it, atheists want it. doesn't matter. They all want, we all want happiness. This is not my idea. 
This is an idea that has been around for thousands of years. Let me give you a flavor of some mostly Christian, but not entirely, thinkers on the topic. The first is Augustine. You know Augustine, great Christian thinker in the 400s. This is what he said. Every man, whatever his condition, desires to be happy. He saw it in the Roman Empire as he looked from slave to gladiator to all the different ranks in Rome. Everyone desires to be happy. Pascal said in the 1600s, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Puritan preacher Thomas Boston in the 1600s says, consider what man is. He is a creature that desires happiness and cannot but desire it. The desire of happiness is woven into his nature. It cannot be eradicated. It is as natural for him to desire it as it is to breathe. You know any humans walking around not breathing lately? It is as natural for the human to desire happiness as it is to breathe. It's instinctual. It's just what we do. J.C. Ryle in the 1800s, pastor. Happiness is what all mankind want to obtain. The desire for it is deeply planted on the human heart. Unless you think these are all Christians, I will introduce one I don't quote too often, Charles Darwin. All sentient beings have been formed so as to enjoy, as a general rule, happiness. Everyone enjoys happiness. So mankind was created to be happy. Mankind was created to be happy, to desire happiness. That means that desire is not inherently bad or God would not have given it to us. That was before the fall. We desired happiness. Of course, then the fall did come. We fell into sin. That desire hasn't gone away. We still desire happiness, but man, did it change the way we pursued it. Wow. Twisted us to look for happiness in all the wrong ways and all the wrong places. And now we run from God to be happy, thinking that will make us Happy, And we look to all manner of things, things, created things made of dust, things of dust to give us the living water of happiness. It's insane. We look to dead dust to give us living water of lasting happiness. Jeremiah talks about this back in Jeremiah chapter 2. I'm going to read for you verse 13 of Jeremiah 2. And it talks about this exact thing. God is speaking through Jeremiah and he says this. He says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now let me tell you what a cistern is so that you can understand the the, the language here, a cistern, they would, they would carve it out of a rock. So like a depression, a hole in a rock that then you could pour water in. The water would stay there for a couple days so that it could be useful for the family over time. You could store water in a cistern. And God compares what everyone is doing to this. He says, 
people, all people, forsake me, the fountain of living water. And they go digging in the ground, digging holes in the dirt and in the dust to, to store water here. But they're broken cisterns. It can hold no water. There's no joy to be found. There's no contentment to be found. There's no satisfying of thirst to be found in the dust. In fact, the more you dig in the dirt, chipping away at the rock to, to quench your thirst, the more thirsty you become. The harder you labor in the sun, digging out these dust bowls, the more you end up far more thirsty than you even began. Friends, have you seen this in the world around us? The examples of this are as numerous as there are people in the world. Broken cisterns, looking into bowls of dust to find satisfaction and happiness and joy and finding none of it and finding themselves worse off every time. I think of the, to give an extreme example, but it's, it's, it's an obvious example, to think of the person who's been on meth for the last eight years. Why do they do it? Because they want happiness. And every time they do it, they get further from happiness. So their body and soul is wrecked. Empty cisterns going back for more dust. The same is with alcohol and looking to it for the joy that it can't give, the happiness that it can't give. And the more often it's gone to, the more happiness it takes, the more thirsty the person is. It's the despair in the eyes of the person that has looked from one sexual partner to the other sexual partner and after all of it and all of them, they're worse off than they were when they started and they're entirely empty, a shell of a human, not finding what they're looking for. It's the futility of someone who believes that the next success, the next financial milestone, the next financial step, physical thing that they can do will give soul-satisfying happiness. Our souls cannot be satisfied by dust. Yet people try. In the passage, Jesus says, to the thirsty, I will give. And what we're realizing is, on one hand, everyone's thirsty. I've got a good message this morning. I've got a good audience for this message this morning. Because everyone's thirsty. Every person in the world, every person in the county, the person in the sanctuary, every person without exception is looking for thirst-quenching, soul-satisfying happiness forever. But on the other hand, most people are so bound up looking for it in the wrong places, they don't turn to God to quench their thirst. And so the thirsty that, that Jesus is talking about here, when he says, to the thirsty, he's not talking just the masses of the thirsty. He's talking about those who are tired of being thirsty, tired of looking down the same hole full of dust to give what it's never given before and look up to him and say, help, help. I want happiness and I can't find it here. Would you give me living water? That's the thirsty that Jesus is addressing. So let me ask you this morning, 
Is that you? Is that thirsty person you? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Where are you looking for your happiness? Where are you looking for deep satisfaction of soul? And how's that going for you? The Lord would encourage each one here to look up from the dust bowl. Each one here has one. The Lord would encourage us to look up and look to Him and repent and admit our thirst because He has life-giving water for thirsty people. So if you find yourself thirsty here beginning of the message i have very good news to you because it is it is to you that this is written because it is to the thirsty he says to the thirsty i will give from the spring of the water of life without payment let me draw your attention now to the words without payment to the thirsty i will give from the spring of the water of life without payment now when john wrote these words he is deliberately echoing a passage in Isaiah. We're going to consider that verse here in a moment. It's from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. And here's what God says in that verse. He says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money. And without price. Come by. It's, it's an amazing. This amazing business transaction. What a business partner. Come and buy something. Without money. And without price. I have what you need. Come and purchase it. I don't have enough. Yes you do. I give it freely. This is what John is echoing. Back in. The book of. Isaiah. This is an amazing promise, friends. That God would offer living water which satisfies the soul. I think we've discussed, but let me say again, um, such a thing isn't found in this world. That's how amazing of an offer this is. Now, you will hear such promises as this everywhere you turn. They are a dime a dozen. Everything promises Happiness. Buy the right shampoo and you will get happiness. Everything promises it and all of it turns to dust. All of it. The promises are a dime a dozen. What's amazing about this is that, is that what God is selling, He has. What He's offering, He intends to give because He never intended us to find our satisfaction in dust, but rather in Him. So He invites us back to Him. So praise God for a promise that offers something that we can find nowhere else. But I would say that's like step one of the promise. What's 
most amazing about it is not that it exists, but that it's free. Here's the best thing in all the world. Whoa, what's that going to cost? Without payment. Come buy wine and milk from me without money and without price. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And that is the invitation of the Lord today. So the call of God for you today is not stop working for happiness in one place and start working for happiness in another place. Rather, stop working for happiness. And find it in me for free. Glory to God. There's no price to pay. There's no labor to endure. There's no earning to be done. There's no cistern to be dug. The happiness found through Jesus Christ is free from God to us. How can it be free? It's free. Because he paid for it. Friends. Something this valuable didn't come freely. God purchased this eternal happiness for his people in the person of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus did on the cross. This is why he came. He took upon himself the penalty for sin. He took upon himself as though he had lived a life of running from God. As though he had lived 10,000 lives of running from God. And on the cross he endured thirst. The opposite of the living water. The living water was taken and he thirsted. Soul emptying. Heart parching. Isolation. Loneliness utterly cut off and despised by every human and then turned away from by even his father. And he hung there in wretched, unmet thirst. It was actually pictured by his physical thirst. He, he called out, I thirst. He didn't just mean bodily. He thirsted, so they, they shoved a sponge full of vinegar up to him as though that would quench his thirst. And so he, as it were, drank the vinegar of a life spent running from God as he was left to thirst in our place. Have you thought of the reality that Christ thirsted? in your place. Cut off from the life, living, soul-satisfying, joy-granting, refreshing, living water. You've heard that Jesus died for your sins. Praise God, he died for our sins. You've heard that he died to reconcile you to God. Praise God, he died to reconcile you to God. But Jesus also died to give you living water. Why he died? Jesus died to make you saved, and listen, he died to make you happy in God 
forever. How about that? Have you heard that? Jesus died to make you happy. He walked through, we'll say, the opposite of happiness. Paying for it. So that he could offer it to you without money, without cost, without payment. So I ask you again this morning, are you looking to Jesus for your joy and for your happiness? For your soul satisfaction to meet your deepest needs? He died, he died so that you could be happy in him. Look to him that you might be happy in him. Consider what he did. Oh, the price that he paid. Do you think he's reluctant now to give you the living water that he paid such a price in order to offer to you? Friend, the reluctance is not his. He is not reluctant to give. He will give living water to all who look to him. So look to him. Friend, Christianity is the religion of happiness. It's the religion of happiness. There is no other. Where else can it be found? The stuff of dust does not satisfy the soul. Satan can't make happiness. He just twists things. Think dust can make happiness? Dust doesn't make happiness. There's only one creator. The creator is the creator of happiness. And if you would have it, look to him. Look up from your dust bowl and tell him you're thirsty. Because the promise this morning is to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without All right, let me draw your attention now to the words, I will give. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Now, we read this in the book of Revelation, and here we are in Revelation, right? This is the end of the world and the beginning of God's new world that he's creating. We read it this morning where he says, Behold, I am making all things new. So this is a future-looking passage when God fulfills every promise that he has made to us. And so in this context, we can see the day is coming when he will give the fullness of the stream of the water of life to all of his people. And we will drink and drink and drink and we will be so satisfied. And at the moment of thirst, we will drink again. And that spring will never be far from us, never be withheld from us, never be distant from us. It will be right there all the time, totally and completely satisfied and happy forever. Hallelujah. Speed the day. Speed the day. That's what this is promising. That day is coming. And we should take hope in that day coming. But church, what we will have in full on that day, we have in part today we have in part today god's plan is to complete our happiness in heaven it is not to begin 
our happiness in heaven, but to complete our happiness in heaven. Friend, he offers living water now to his people, to the thirsty even now. Even as we walk through things which tend to make us unhappy. Those don't stop. Even as his church endures struggling with sin, struggling with persecution, tends to make us unhappy, and yet, in the midst of all of that, he promises living water, a down payment on our inheritance. We have a down payment, right? We've, we've heard this phrase, like we have the Holy Spirit now as the down payment for our inheritance when one day we're in the presence of God forever. Well, the Holy Spirit brings the fruit of joy, of happiness. If we have the down payment on the Holy Spirit, we have the down payment on our happiness. Now, happiness has begun for the people of God. Not yet perfected, but certainly begun, inaugurated, started, ignited for the people of God. Happy, the Word says. Happy is the man whose God is the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Happiness is the gift of God through Christ. Now, what, what does this phrase mean in the passage? The spring of the water of life. Where, where, where is this spring of the water of life? How should we think of it? Because if, if we were to think of it like some present that God could give to us, like he's going to wrap it up and put it under the Christmas tree, stand over here while we go over and open the present. Or as though it were a kind of heavenly water fountain, like on the wall in heaven, you know? And God just kind of points you over there and, whew, man, isn't it good to be in heaven where like the water fountains have living water? And, you know, come over and you push the water fountain and the water comes up and it satisfies your very soul. If we're thinking in such terms, we are missing the heart of it. The spring of living water is not something apart from God that he gives. The spring of living water is God himself. He is the source of all happiness and contentment and joy. He can no longer, he can no sooner give it to us apart from himself because it does not exist apart from himself. And if he's to give us happiness, he needs to give us one thing, himself. The only way to make us happy. Which explains why the world's so miserable. Running from God to find happiness is the ultimate fool's errand. Because happiness cannot be found apart from God. For he is the source and wellspring of all of it. Now, do you remember what Jeremiah had said? We've gone back to two passages in the Old Testament. This was the first one. I'm going to read it again for you. This was the empty cisterns one. Right? So here's what he says. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He says, and we had focused on the broken cisterns part before, but now let's focus and consider where he says the water's found. He says they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Living water is found in God, and I would say specifically, God the Father is the fountain of living water. 
and the source of eternal life and joy and happiness. So when Jesus says here that he's going to give the fullness of living water, what he's offering to his people is the fullness of relationship with his own Father. Welcoming us into the relationship of the very Godhead. That's the place where happiness is made perfect. What perfect happiness? It is found in perfect communion with God. Because God is the fountain of all delights. And in His presence is fullness of joy. And Jesus came to offer that. And Jesus speaks this morning to offer that afresh. Jesus, who was cut off from the fountain of living water, came to speak to those who should be cut off from the fountain of living water and say, I've paid it. Come, come to me. All who thirst. You can have wine and milk without money, without price. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Turn to Him. He said in the book of John, I believe, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Here's eternal life. Here's eternal joy. Here's eternal happiness, knowing God. So, where is happiness found? It is found in God. God himself is the wellspring and the origin and the creator of it. Now, who gives this happiness? Coming back to our phrase that we're examining, I will give. To the thirsty, I will give. Who's speaking here? Jesus is speaking. Who is the one that can give happiness? Jesus Christ. Who is the only one? Who can give happiness? It is Jesus Christ. And who speaks this morning through his word to you that you may be happy? None other than Jesus Christ. The only one that could make you happy speaks this morning for your happiness. Praise God for Jesus Christ. To have God is to have happiness. church I mean it almost sounds corny what a happy message I don't mean for it to but I don't know how else to say it what a happy message here's the message go find happiness what isn't this church I think things are off because Christianity is the religion of happiness Go find your happiness in God. Would you draw near to God? Then you will be drawing near to your own happiness. Would you draw near to happiness? Then go draw near to God. And you will find it. Because He promises it. And then drink deeply. And drink gladly. And drink again and again and again. And with every morning you get up, know that you are one day closer to these eternal fountains. One day nearer to the time when we can gather around that well together with Jesus sitting there, drawing up water that will forever satisfy every soul. 
Are you thirsty? And look to Him in hope this morning. Because we have from Him a promise. This is a promise. And here is the promise. To the thirsty. I will give. From the springs of the water of life. Without payment. Glory to God. Worship team, come on up. Let's stand, church. Lord, in this moment, I just want to do two things. Where you have identified dust bowls, empty, broken cisterns, the stuff of this world where we tend to turn instead of to you. Lord, we repent. Humbly ask for pardon and for forgiveness. Lord, we are foolish in our sin to think that anything but you would satisfy our soul. Lord, I, I, I pray for the gift of repentance to, for everyone here. And then, Lord, would you give us faith that you actually intend to keep your word here. That you actually came and died on the cross to make us eternally happy. And that you have such water that this world knows nothing of. That if we drink of it, we will never thirst again. Oh, Lord, we look to you for that water. We are thirsty, Lord. Fill us with yourself, we pray. And may you receive all the glory as we look to you for all of our contentment. Jesus, we pray. Amen.